Welcome back to the Equipoise Podcast. Uh, you say that intro was different. Indeed, it was, and it's for good reason. <laughs> so, so I'm at the tail end of a pretty bad illness. My ears are still very stopped up, and my nose is still affecting the way I speak and all of that fun stuff that happened at the end of some of these pretty bad illnesses. Well, I just got a new soundboard podcast microphone. I'm very excited about it, uh, but without really thinking, I disconnected everything, connected the new, you know, podcast mic and new soundboard, and I'm like, all right, here we go. I am in no shape to calibrate this this new podcast setup at all. So, I, I and because I can't hear anything, I can't even tell where the uh, the the sound of the background music goes down low enough, and then my voice overlaps. Like I have no way of telling that whatsoever. But instead of just skipping this week, I decided I would just push through and. <laughs> And here we are. So I am so sorry if you've had to adjust the, the volume on your radio or your phone or however you listen. Uh, thank you so much for being patient with me as I try to uh, get this third part of this podcast miniseries out, which is called Spiritual Trump Cards. Okay, let's begin. Last week, I talked about whether or not Christians hearing new revelation or direct communication from God was a biblical expectation. I expressed my skepticism of the idea, but I tried to balance it out by quoting at length someone who is less skeptical than I am by far, Pastor Andrew Wilson. What I want to do now is explore why Christians have an expectation to hear from God, followed by a brief examination of the risk of using this concept as authoritative in one's life. So far in this short series, I hope to have established that, biblically speaking, it's not simply a given that all Christians should hear directly from God, at the least, much less by following a formula or engaging in careful listening as a spiritual discipline. After all, to hear Greg Kokel say it, when we read in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, learning to hear the voice of God is not taught as a Christian discipline that we must learn in order to live the optimal Christian life. This is the hotline to God view in which we get specialized and tailor-made instructions for our personal lives. This is not taught in Scripture, end quote. So then, why the seeking? Why the longing and expectation to hear from God? Here's four reasons why I think today's Christians so desperately expect or want or even need to hear personal messages or individualized revelation or direction from God. First, we are, especially as modern Westerners, generally dissatisfied with things that are, well, old. As a result, we're a people who crave novelty and freshness. I have a whole lot written about this, but I've got I've to be quicker because I took too long on the intro. But in short, as a result of this dissatisfaction with what we perceive as blasé and old hat, we are dissatisfied with what God has said and done and how he has already revealed himself in nature and in scripture. Secondly, we are, especially as modern Westerners, individualistic doubters. I don't think too much time is needed here either, since it's fairly obvious in general. We don't like taking others' word for it. We want to hear it ourselves, to see it ourselves, to make it ours, to integrate an experience into our identity, to be, as I quoted one person last week, brought into God's confidence. It's not enough to hear others experience it and believe it. No, like Thomas, the unbelieving disciple, we want it for ourselves. This leads to my next observation. Third, we are, especially as modern Westerners, very likely to see ourselves as the hero rather than the one being rescued. We, in short, view ourselves as the main character. We are the Avengers, not the mindless lemmings running around New York City when the villain attacks. <laughs> we are the prophet Elijah, hearing God's still small voice and calling fire down from heaven, not the rebellious Israelites or even the faithful unknowns who were still serving God. We are 
David slinging the stone, not the trembling soldiers waiting in the wings. We are the main characters, and as a result, we expect nothing less than what the prominent few in the Old and New Testament received, direct special revelation from God. With anything else, we are far less content because in a very real sense, we feel we deserve what they got too. It is expressive individualism at best. Lastly, we are, regardless of being modern Westerners, creatures who long for and deeply desire relationships. We are social creatures. Those who play the most important roles in our lives are those who have communicated their affection, leadership, or direction in some way. In short, those with whom we have the deepest relationships are those who reciprocate our modes of expressing that relationship, a parent, a spouse, a child, and so forth. Furthermore, these people usually have certain points in common with us. As a result of this communal and relational makeup, we tend to force an expectation upon God that he will as well fit into this mode of relationship, one that communicates directly, expresses affection in the same way that we do, and so forth. This is seen by way of example with the late Sarah Young in advertising her book Jesus Calling, she stated that it would lead its readers to, quote, experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. Now, these four observations may seem critical, but it's my best attempt at a tempered evaluation of why Christians seem to long to hear from God. But again, in the interest of balance, I'll quote the same Andrew Wilson as I did last week, who is far, far less critical than I on the issue, who nonetheless has come to a similar conclusion despite an entirely different vantage. He says, quote, many, including me, come from church backgrounds that prize variety over regularity, novelty over fidelity, the individual over the corporate. Those who understand the centrality of Jesus will be far more secure and far less likely to be bamboozled in contexts where people are hearing from God in ways that are more subjective, personal, and difficult to assess. End quote. It's important that we acknowledge this because unfortunately what I hear over and over again today are what I call spiritual trump cards. That is, the unfalsifiable testimony of God told me to do this, or the Lord spoke to me and is leading me to be a blank, or when a pastor gets up in the pulpit and says, God told me this. These pious-sounding statements are, in my experience and in my opinion, typically nothing more than attempts to add spiritual approval, credence, or authority to something that God did not in fact say. This brief online exchange sums up well what I mean. I was mining a particular Christian forum for examples of this when I found this gem. One person said they heard God's voice. Another asked, what do you mean? Can you go into more detail? The answer, I can recognize the spirit when it is upon me, he said. Not that complex. Are you wanting me to describe the sensation times and why it falls upon me? If you do not recognize the spirit in your life, then I'm afraid this is futile to explain, end quote. See what I mean? If you don't believe God spoke to them in a still small voice, it's your fault. If you want some sort of metrics or testability, you're barking up the wrong tree, you anti-spiritual bully, you. It's here that I'm going to make a quick excursus to discuss the idea of the still small voice. This phrase is taken from one unique occurrence in scripture where God spoke to Elijah in a still small voice as opposed to, say, the whirlwind like with Job or the earthquake like with Moses. I'm not sure why we took this one and tried to make it universally prescriptive, but I have the feeling it's because it's the only one that cannot be falsified. That is, if I were to tell my friends that God wrote something on the wall for me, like with Belshazzar, that could be easily falsified. But if I said it was something only I could hear, like a still small voice that sounds suspiciously like my own inner monologue but with more these and those, it's not falsifiable. There's just no way for anyone to say, no, God didn't tell you that. See, it's a trump card. I can't tell you how many times I've been told by someone standing or sitting across from me who's about to make a really bad decision that God told them to do it in one way or another. But it's not just bad decisions that benefit from these spiritual trump cards. No, something far more sinister lurks behind such a mindset. 
I'm submitting to you that if we believe that a regular expectation, a cornerstone even, of the Christian faith is to hear from God, we're in peril of losing our faith entirely. I've read and heard myriad situations where people are begging God to speak to them or reveal himself to them in some way, only to lose their faith when that expectation was shattered. I hope you'll hear me loud and clear on this. Faith falls apart when it leans solely on personal and subjective experiences. Unsurprisingly, the divine hiddenness argument is the heavyweight champion of the world when it comes to arguments against God's existence and reasons for Christian leaving the faith they once embraced. Why? Because they've been sold a bill of goods that if you're good enough or listen closely enough or read your Bible and pray enough, you'll hear from God in some way. They've been taught from the pulpit to the pew about how the hallmark of the Christian faith is to receive personal communication from God, either by a whisper or a word. And when they don't, they leave. It is, to quote MacArthur on this, a recipe for a far-reaching theological disaster, end quote. Listen, I hope you know I'm not trying to say that God doesn't lead or direct or guide or comfort by his spirit, but I am so tired, and you should be too, of hearing God told me to do this when it's not in the least bit scriptural and clearly not the right thing to do. Or when a pastor says, God told me so-and-so from the pulpit, that is an abuse and it should not be tolerated or welcome. Now, I had a really good quote from Spurgeon here that was at once both amazing and hilarious, uh, but it was a little bit too long, so I'm going to post a link to an article that has that quote in it in the show notes. It's actually a pretty good article. In the end, Spurgeon was tired of the same thing that I'm tired of and that you should be tired of too, spiritual trump cards. So let me close this mini-series this way. Whatever may or may not exist in the ether of how God communicates to us, the loudest, clearest, most authoritative, infallible communication of God was in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the faithful witness of the Gospels and the Scriptures to preserve His words for us. The author of Hebrews agrees with me on this one when, about 1955 years ago, he opened up his amazing sermon with the following words, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. That's about it for this one. I hope you'll check out the link in the show notes. And until next time, stay balanced.